Well, the game may be over, but the best Hawkeye analysis is just getting started. This is the Jethro's Barbecue Sound Off. Ross Peterson and Travis Justice are taking your calls. Sound Off. This is your home for the Hawkeyes. News Radio 1040, WHO. A 45-16 win for the Iowa Hawkeyes over Illinois. Pushes the team now to 4-2 and two on the year. They are 1-2 and two in Big Ten play. Have a week to get ready for Northwestern to try to make that an even 2-2 two and two in the Big Ten. I'm Ross Peterson. Derek Pagel is in studio with us on Jethro's Sound Off. And your phone call is going to take us right up to 7 o'clock tonight. Bruce is going to be the first one here in the 5 o'clock hour. Bruce, thanks for calling Sound Off. How are you, sir? Good. Okay, so... My father raised me in Ames in Marshalltown as a Cyclone fan. I spent four years going to school at Iowa City. Okay. So I have allegiances to both teams. But if you're put you if you're a fan and you can't you can't get excited if you're a Cyclone fan about Iowa doing something good, and if you're a, an Iowa fan, you can't get excited or glad about Iowa State doing something good. You, you're not thinking right. Put yourself, say you're an Iowa player today. You just beat Illinois like a drum. And then you beat Iowa State. Oklahoma beat Ohio State. And the same people that you beat when you played Iowa State just beat Oklahoma. So you, you, you're a player on Iowa. You're thinking Michigan, Ohio State. Let's get it on. That's, that's let's ask a guy, Bruce. Let's ask a guy who's uh, who's been there. Uh, I yeah, think... Pagel. Hey, uh, by the way, Pagel. <laughs> oh, this really sounds like he's. Addition. You're go a really good addition to the show, but go ahead. Yeah, he is a great addition to the show. I think Bruce. We're I trying to too. get him. I'm, Wonderful. I'm trying to get him in here every week, but it's like pulling teeth with this guy, man. <laughs> I appreciate okay, it, Bruce. Go. All right. What do you think? So I think that's called like the transfer, the property of transference or something like that. As a player, does this happen? Do you sit down and go, oh, my gosh, we beat Iowa State. Iowa State beat Oklahoma. Oklahoma beat Ohio State. Therefore, does that happen in the locker room? <clears throat> no. Okay. And that's because uh, I've said this every time I'm on the show is – I don't care if we're if I, the University of Iowa is playing Simpson College, right? And and I don't know what their program was like at Simpson. I'm just talking Division One, Division Three. Yeah. You feel like you are so coached up from uh, Sunday coming in after your game until kickoff. Saturday you feel morning. like Simpson is USC. Oh man, they, yeah. no, you are up against a team that's capable of beating you. You better bring your best, your A game, or you will lose. And even if they have an average player, it is pumped up through the week that this guy can do some serious damage against you. So, um, no. I, I mean, I, I don't think you look at it like this. We as fans do. Yeah. Gives us hope. It's right? easy. Right? Say, hey, we should do this. That's exactly right? what it is, man. You're so, 100% right. I, I do have to say that um, I just got a, a, a bad text message from my friend's wife, Michelle. I said, hey, we're done. <laughs> we don't want to hear about Iowa State. Oh, yeah. So, I, but I got a feeling we're still going to get talked about for the next – uh, hour and a half. This is the third phone call, and I never thought we'd take three phone calls unless it was just making fun of Iowa State. I mean, we're talking to the the black and gold of the black and gold, man. And three phone calls now. I I would just um, one of these things I've always had a comment about is this Iowa Iowa State rivalry and the way that fans handle this. 
I always feel like this is one of those things of treat people the way you want to be treated and pe- treat people the way you like to be treated. So when the Hawkeyes are having a good year and they stub their toe, I don't like it when my Iowa State friends come to me and point and laugh. So therefore, I don't point and laugh when Iowa State stubs their toe. I want my Iowa State friends to be excited when the Hawkeyes pull off a really nice win or play better than expected. Therefore, I get excited for the Iowa State Cyclones when they do. That doesn't win me any favors, Pagel, with the Iowa, with the Iowa crowd. Yeah. But and last mention, I promise. We'll move on. Bruce, thanks for the phone call. Randy's on his way back from the game. Randy, how was the atmosphere inside Kinnick today? Uh, it, was, it wasn't bad. It was not bad. Nice homecoming win. I think you're the second guy who said wasn't bad or decent atmosphere. Those aren't exactly ringing endorsements, but it's, uh, it's not criticism either. So what do you want to share with us, Randy? Um, I'm really concerned about the slow starts. Maybe we should go play a practice quarter in the, on the practice field before the games and get just as flowing. Uh, Stanley has a really strong arm. He zips the short passes pretty accurately. He needs a little touch on the, uh, on the uh, longer throws. Um, I'm glad we won today. I would hate to lose to Illinois. And also did not hear the announcement of, of the Iowa State game in the stadium, so oh. that's why nobody nobody said anything. That's good to hear, Randy. And that, I assumed that when I heard that. We had some friends that were there that said, man, it, was, it wasn't much of a reaction when they announced that. I'll be honest, no, I, I, my time in Kinnick, I, I don't remember a single announcement being made. No, <laughs> I, uh, I, I got it from a text. I did not hear it in the stadium. Yeah. Go Hawks. Thanks, Randy. Go Hawks. All right, let's uh, before we get into this slow start thing, Nick Easley was the star of the game for Gary and Ed on the broadcast. And uh, Gary asked him uh, that very question, Randy, in the postgame interview. A struggle at the beginning of games. The first halves have, have been a bugaboo for the Hawkeyes, uh, not necessarily just offense on both sides of the line of scrimmage. And yet when you go into the locker room and make adjustments, I mean, is it is it that simple that you come out and play so well in the second half? You know, I wouldn't say. I think it's more on us um, just coming out ready to go. I wouldn't say that we're, you know, we're necessarily doing a ton of different things in the second half. Um, we just, you know, we, we need to get off to a faster start and get the ball rolling early. And that sounds like somebody else I talked to about an hour and a half ago about this. Uh, Derek Pagel, I told you before we started the program, I thought this was going to be a recurring topic, that uh, this idea of slow starts uh, was brought up last week after the Michigan State game. We noticed it here. Most Hawkeye fans noticed it here in this game. And then Nick Easley was asked about it. I thought you had a great take on this. Uh, players coming out slower or, quote, not being ready to play. How do you define that or describe that as a player? I don't think it's a team from a team aspect. It's not, hey, we weren't ready to play today. I think there's every week there's going to be guys of, let's just say, 24 starters. Two or three of them are just not going to be – they maybe didn't spend the time in the film room – Maybe they missed a practice because of an injury. They're just not mentally there. So I, I don't think from a team aspect that's the case. I think it definitely breaks down from a, from a player's. Some guys can miss plays. Mm-hmm. You might give up a – you might have missed the play, give up a run for 40 yards, and that turned into a touchdown. So it's just, it, it, it translates into a slow start. I feel like everybody has this – when they show up at the office You know, some days – it takes you 20 minutes for your brain to start working the right way. Is that fair? Is that kind of what's happening? I think that happens. Um, it, not from the coaches. I mean, they're ready right. to go. The game plan has been set. They started it from probably Saturday night, looking and prepping for the next week. The game plan has been set from the coaches. No. I do feel like 
Um, what if we just did something different? And a two-minute drive, right? We get, we, we get a punt. We got a minute and a half left. We want to put some points on the board before half. What do you do? You spread it out. Start throwing five wides, four wides and a running back. What if we just one time received the kickoff, took a knee, you know, start the 20 or the 25-yard line, and just, hey, let's just throw four receivers in the game and a running back and throw a wrinkle at the opposing defense because I can guarantee they know exactly what we're coming out with week after week. I feel like it's just a tradition. Mm. We wanted things a little bit different with Brian. We're still getting a taste of the old, right? Absolutely. And Makes sense. I, I just don't think that's ever going to change. That's just kind of the pro-style offense that Kirk has uh, ran since he's been there. Randy, does that answer your question? Must have. Appreciate it, Randy. We'll go to John next in the Tumwa. John, how are you? Thanks for calling Jethro Sound Off here on WHO. Must have. Appreciate it, Randy. Uh-oh. John, John's on the delay, so here's what we're going to do. We're just going to park John there for a second. Right about now, John's realizing that he's, uh, he's coming on the radio. So, John, now you're actually on hey, the air with us. How you doing, John? Hey, I'm good, guys. Great show. Pego, love watching you play. Uh question is, and by the way, uh, I don't give a darn about Iowa State. So, <laughs> That's the fourth uh, mention. I'm a fourth Hawks fan, baby. Hawks fan. <laughs> All right. Hey, will Jules go pro, and how will he oh. do it as a pro? It's funny you ask that question, John. We were kind of talking about this during the break uh, while we were off the air. Just different Hawkeyes that Derek sees having that NFL potential. Uh, Josie Jules definitely one of those guys. I think uh, the Las Vegas over-under, I would put it about mid-second round. I was thinking mid-second or third round. It seems about it, right. A lot. Of, I think he's going to go on and have a great career. It's going to probably come down to how long does he want to play. And the biggest uh, equation of it all is the injury factory hmm. or factor. Because we see him week after week. He's just an animal out there right now. Yeah. And it's tough to do that and not get your bell rung, get a bum shoulder, get you know blow a knee, whatever it could be. Uh, love to see him stay healthy, have a great combine, probably 100% play in the Senior Bowl, and I think he could play a really long time in the NFL. What I thought you were going to say, number one factor not being injuries, I thought it was going to be fit, uh, getting to the right system. It, it, defensively, does that matter as much as it does off for, for offensive guys in the NFL? When you're, when you're going to get drafted that high, I, and I'm thinking he's a top three-rounder or above. If, you're, if, you're, if he stays healthy and he does, he's getting drafted into that fit. Okay. You know, I the see. teams are okay. going to say, hey, right. this guy's not a fit for our program, or we just signed, we just drafted this guy last year. He's healthy. He's going to be here for two or three. Josie Jewell is going to, he's going to end up in the right program. John, that answer your question? Yeah, thanks a lot, guys. You bet, buddy. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah. And, and real quickly, Akram Wadley is another one that we've talked about this week to week. While I took a lot of heat in week two by saying Akram Wadley wasn't going to win the Heisman, Akram Wadley does still look like a guy that's going to play on Sundays. He makes guys miss when he's able to get into space. He's incredibly talented. One another one of those guys that uh, I think the right team will find a fit for him into their into their program and uh, could potentially play a long time. Frank and Scott stay on hold. We do have some open lines right now. First time in a while. Two eight. World famous ribs on two. Ready. Break. Down. Set. Jethro's, Jethro's, hot, hot. Jethro's Barbecue, your game day tailgate headquarters. Jethro's Barbecue voted best barbecue in Des Moines, best wings in Des Moines, best nachos in Des Moines. Jethro's Barbecue, y'all come for the football and stay for the party. Jethro's Barbecue featuring world famous slow smoked ribs. Jethro's Barbecue, six convenient metro locations and now open in Ames, 1301 Buckeye Avenue, just off Duff. Your turn, Hawkeye fans. 
This is the Jethro's Barbecue Sound Off. Sponsored by... Third and three for the first down. Six yards for the touchdown. Double slot right. Fant and Easley. They're inside Vandenberg on third down. Stanley looks left. Comes back to the right. Caught in the end zone. Touchdown. And a late flag for a late hit on Illinois. That'll be assessed on the kickoff. Nick Easley has his fifth touchdown grab of the year. Touchdown Iowa on a quick slant. Now that is Stanley growing up. He wanted to go left. He wanted to go to Wadley out of the backfield. He came to the left. He looked. He looked. Nothing there. Shot his eyes back to the right and hit the slant for the touchdown. That's a fun one to go back and see. And when you Hawkeye fans get a chance over the next couple of days to pick apart these highlights that uh, our our friends at HawkeyeNation.com do a great job getting out, you'll notice exactly what Ed was pointing out there. Fantastic play for Nate Stanley there with uh, the pocket kind of closing in around him. He keeps his calm. He goes through his progressions. He finds the right receiver, and Nick Easley pulls in another touchdown. What a start to his Hawkeye career uh, the young man from Newton is having. 284-1040. If you'd like to jump in on Jethro's sound off here on WHO, that's where Scott finds us. Hi, Scott. How are you, sir? Good. How's it going, Ross? How's it going, Derek? Doing well, buddy. What do you want to share with us? Well, first off, Ross, for you, you had uh, asked about the atmosphere at the game today, and I just want to let you guys know, I thought it was great. Um, I took my three-year-old to the game today. It was the first time I got to do a father-son trip to watch the Hawks play, so that was awesome. That's really cool, Um, man. That's a neat experience, Scott. Yeah, so we got another generation of Hawkeyes in my house. That's the only way it keeps growing, man. I know, very true. (laughs) But my question for you guys, you guys were talking about um, our defense in particular, um, the zone defense that we play in the backfield. Um, and my question was in reference to your comments that you guys had made about um, the, the quarterback for Illinois having success finding the holes in our defense. Um, what do we need to do to get pressure to the quarterback? Um, is there something that the defensive line isn't doing or that they could do better? Because I feel like between this game and then watching last week's game against Michigan State, we're just not getting pressure on the quarterback. So I'll hang up and listen to what you guys have to say. Thanks. And go hot. One sack today. Uh, when you look at the ESPN stats, I believe there are two quarterback hurries for this Iowa defense. A couple of tackles for loss, uh, two tackles for loss, one for Josie Jewell, one for Nelson. But, Derek, what are you seeing? Uh, this has been an issue. The Hawkeyes don't seem to get a lot of pressure with that defensive front. We don't blitz an awful lot. We know that's part of the game plan. What else can you do? Uh-oh, uh-oh, we got to get you. There we go. Now we're on. Come on, Sean. I feel like it's either an issue or it's non-existent nobody talks about it because we maybe had some hurries or some sacks i don't pay as much attention to that up front part of the game as i do with the linebackers and the defensive backs and what types of coverages they're doing and what and try to find out what the offense is trying to do uh to those coverages but um the pressure always helps anytime you get pressure your yeah. defensive line is doing a really good job so it, is that is the scheme just built on the premise that we're gonna we're gonna use those four guys and we're going to try some stunts up front. We're going to do whatever we can to put pressure with those four because our other seven are going to make sure that we're locking down. I do feel like it's a very base scheme that they're running up front, but they will run what they call games. So even in the huddle, like, hey, let's play the games. I remember standing in the huddle and be like, all right, here's our coverage, play the games. That was literally the end of the play call in the defensive huddle, play the games. So you knew the defensive line was going to do some things up front. Um, I don't feel like we do blitz a, a lot. And if we do, we're bringing the house. Yeah. And I feel like sometimes we we put ourselves in bad positions to do that. And I'll give Phil credit, Phil Parker, the coordinator, credit that he's not afraid to send the house in in, in the opponent's part of the field. I mean, it doesn't have to be – a lot of times 
if it's third or fourth down and they've got four yards to score, you know, you're tight in the red zone, you can send the house. The ball's got to come out quick. But right. Phil is not afraid to send uh, three, four guys or an all-out blitz at midfield or even on the opponent in, in their portion of the field. Scott, great phone call, man. That's um, really cool that you got to take your son up there, and uh, thanks for getting us to reset a little bit on that defensive scheme. I think that's a, a fun conversation. We've got a great insight, as you can tell, from our dude Derek Pagel. Frank is up next here on Jethro's Barbecue Sound Off. Hey, Frank, how are you? Well, good. How are you, buddy? We're doing all right, bud. What do you want to share with us this week? Oh, I, I just wonder if if everybody in uh, Hawkeye Land is doing that, uh, you know, a little shuffle dance. Uh, Right Ho- hokey pokey, right hokey pokey, <laughs> Frank. Say uh, the hokey pokey. I think that's that's it. Uh, you know, they played a game at home, and they've got to be happy. And you know, uh, he was talking about the defense and what's wrong with the defense. You know, if you don't have to uh, send everybody, uh, they they looked at Oklahoma. They, I'm sure that they have a defensive scheme for every game they play. If you don't have to blitz them, uh, you know. You know that you can hold them reasonably well without blitzing them. Uh, It's a a safer deal. If you blitz, you leave holes in your defense. Frank, are you a Cubs fan by chance? I'm. That's two years in a row that Cubs have taken out my Cardinals. Ah, well, this might not uh, make you too happy here. Anthony Rizzo just hit a two-run homer for those Cubbies. So I'm not against the Cubs. I'm just for St. Louis. Frank, appreciate the phone call, sir. I always like to hear like, from you. I'm not against the Cyclones. I'm just for the Hawkeyes. That makes sense. Frank, with another Cyclone reference. Guys, we've got to stop this. It's the fourth caller that, hey, said, the word, the last. that said the word Cyclones. We're t- it's tuning people away. Help us out here. 284-1040 is the phone number to call in. Rich, we're going to try to get you in here before the bottom of the hour break. How are you, sir? I'm good. How are you guys today? Doing well. What did you want to add to the program? Hey, I have a question for both of you, maybe Derek a little more, is what we're seeing the last couple weeks struggling with the running game, a combination of the struggles we're having with the offensive line and moving the linemen around, but also are we starting to see eight and nine people in the box a little bit more isolation? And is that now, along with the quality play we're seeing from our receivers, especially our young receivers, that's starting to open things up for them a little bit, and will that conversely change it to where our running game will come back? Ooh, man, that's some deep chess there, Rich. So we've had run game struggles, moved some things around on the offensive line. That did seem to help out a little bit today. Akram Wadley kind of found his rhythm again, gets over 100 yards. But I think every team, Derek, is going to come with this same game plan. You're going to put eight or nine guys in the box, and you're going to hope that you've got the ponies to be able to pull off what Michigan State and Penn State did. Exactly. And why do they do that? Because when we start the game, we're, we're trying to say, hey, we're going to establish our run game and then get to the pass game. So we're going to, we're going to see that. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, so with the does this come back around? Because it does seem like with them putting 8-9 in the box, it is opening up that pass game a little bit. We've seen Nate Stanley be able to move the ball around to some uh, some multiple targets. Do you think this ends up coming back around where teams will have to start respecting Nate Stanley in that passing game and that will open up things for Akram Wadley? Or are we pretty much pigeonholed right now into going to have to figure yeah. out early? Right now, I think teams are going to come up with the same yeah. game plan week after week against us until we really – Prove and solidify the other team. That, I think we can right. throw the ball downfield and throw seam routes and get it up the field quick. I think you're right. We got 90 minutes left. We can get a lot of phone calls in in that time. We got a few lined up right now, but several open lines at 284 1040. 
Derek Pagel in studio with us. We're live till 7 o'clock on Jethro's Barbecue Sound Off here on News Radio 1040 WHO. Your turn, Hawkeye fans. This is the Jethro's Barbecue Sound Off. Fake Stanley rifles a pass over the middle. Vandenberg's heading for the end zone on a deep slant. Touchdown! Touchdown, Iowa! Vandenberg turned the after Jets on as soon as he caught the ball, squared up to the goalpost, and away he went. 39 yards on the score. Well, Brian Ferentz saw something up here that those safeties were cheating up because we'd been running the ball and hadn't tried to get it downfield, and there was nobody in the middle of the field. Ball was thrown, one, two, three, throw. Just got rid of it right on time for the easy touchdown. I think that's the first part of what Rich's equation was, our last caller there. Maybe by... You know, forcing these eight nine guys into the box, you can get those plays to open up behind them. It's just on Nate Stanley to be able to make those plays. Derek Pagel said that a few times here in uh, our Jethro's Barbecue Sound Off. Pagel's in studio for Travis Justice. Travis is going to be back for Northwestern, so in a couple weeks. Again, next week a bye week for the Hawks as they prepare for Northwestern. Hawks right now four and two on the year, one and two in Big Ten play. We like to let uh, women get to the front of the line when they call in. Judy is on the phone. Judy. Thanks for calling Jethro's Sound Off. How are you? I'm good. How are you? We're doing well. What did you want to share with us? Hey, thanks for taking my call. But I, I just had a question. It seems like every time the defense on um, first down, they give up so much yardage, and it just kind of puts us in a hole for the second and third downs and make up time. But it just is like a trend that every time, first down, we give up a lot of yardage on mm. defense. What is yeah. your opinion of that? Uh, you know, and I, I, I'd have to go back and look, Judy, to, to look at first down yardage today. One thing that I did notice, and it, it was kind of a, a problem all day, they continued to mention it. Hawkeyes really shored this up in the fourth quarter, but third down efficiency was off the charts for Illinois. At one point, I think they were 7 for 10 or 7 for 11 on third down, and not all of those were easy third down conversions. They had a couple of, uh, uh, of real killers, it seemed like, uh, as they were moving the ball. Here's the, the audio of one of them. Third down and 10, the crowd's into it on homecoming Saturday. Back to pass George. Pocket closes in on him. He throws, and it's ca- caught at the 15. First down by Malik Turner. Heck of a catch. He and uh, Josh Jackson were hand-checking and scratching each other trying to get to that ball and Malik Turner the senior went up a little bit higher he's only uh, well he's 6-3 that's not short by any stretch but he outfought Jackson for the football and then got the first down to boot my goodness right on and Jackson's right there got him covered yeah that was a frustrating one because it looked like uh, Josh Jackson was playing pretty good defense not only did he give up the reception that he couldn't knock down he then got pushed back a couple of yards as the Illinois receiver fought for that first down so Judy let's ask uh, the guy that might know Derek Pagel did you see anything today on first down I, I and if I don't remember first down being an issue today defensively did you see something I didn't not that I think we need to like over exaggerate it, but okay. I do remember giving up the couple four or five yard runs, maybe even six yard runs in the first down scenarios, and then we kind of switched the conversation there to third downs. We talked a little bit about those can be a little bit tricky sometimes. I feel like because uh, as you have your traditional first second down, maybe a run, maybe a pro style formation, two running backs, a tight end, two receivers, and then you get to those third down situations uh, where sometimes we've struggled, and that's it gets tricky from the point that your your offense is 
rotating players into the game. They're taking running backs out. They're taking receivers in. And even the coaching staff sitting up in the box, in the skybox, they got binoculars. You know, what are they doing with those binoculars? They're finding out what personnel is coming in and out of the game. Yeah. So you're playing defense. You're reacting uh, before the, blade, the, 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 the play's been called or the ball's been snapped. So sometimes it could be a little bit of a scramble, even on the sideline, third down. What, what personnel do we need in the game? If they have three tight ends in the game, you're not going to bring in your fast nickel coverage and an extra defensive back. So third downs can sometimes be tricky, I feel like, to, to deal with. Is there a mental hurdle that starts to come along with this? Like, for instance, 7 of 10 or 7 for 11, you have to feel on the, uh, on the field, you have to know, man, we've been giving up a lot yes, of third down conversions. Absolutely. And even if you're one of those nickel backs or those dime backs that comes in the game and you give it up and you come, I just remember from my days playing and coming back to the side, we just give up a third down and I was playing nickel defense and Norm Parker is over there screaming mad and you're going, man, is he going to want to play nickel again? Does he does he lost confidence in me? And even though it wasn't me in general that maybe had given up a pass, it's just like you feel like that coordinator may lose confidence in that personnel yeah, package. That and makes like, sense. So it just applies even more and more pressure. The more third downs you give you up, the more pressure it portrays throughout the game. Judy, we didn't really answer the first down question, but yeah, uh, my, my question, yeah, it was more of like why is our defense giving up all that yardage? But but I understand what he was saying, but. That's my question. Is our defense seems to get up so many, so much more yardage on the first down, and then we're trying to make it up as I, the whole series goes through. And Ross, I talked earlier about holes in the defense. There's no hole. There's not holes everywhere. There's just certain routes and formations that can. You can squeeze in a little every comeback play, route. Every play, if you're playing zone, is going to have you a, know, a yeah. gap. And I think it's yeah. very similar on first down. where We're playing our traditional zone, probably quarter, quarter, half coverage. Mm-hmm. And you may end up giving up four or five yards. And, and perhaps, uh, Judy, what you're saying here, Derek, is it's a little predictable. It is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Okay. seems like a trend. Right. And I feel like it's we, we, the same argument has been over the years. Get them quarterbacks up, or them cornerbacks up and press them. Yes. Like right, we, hey, on the front end of them quarters, you're playing quarter coverage and you're a cornerback. You're going to give up five yard outs. There is no getting up and pressing them. You have a whole quarter of the field to yourself. Derek, what? I was in I was in Canada fishing on an island, and one of the guides watched the game with me and said, "Hey, how come Iowa always gives a ten yard cushion? They've been doing that since the Hayden Fry right. era. What's going on with look that?" At, look, per, 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 perfect example Maben I mean got picked on we took call after call about him getting up and pressing them and playing man coverage the guy's playing in the NFL yeah he's a professional it's not an easy position to play at the University of Iowa Judy thanks a lot for the phone call we always love hearing from you you bet anytime go Hawks is right haven't heard that a whole lot tonight heck we've heard more talk about that team up north Gary you're up next on Jethro's barbecue sound off how are you sir I'm doing good. Appreciate your show. If Iowa would have beaten Penn State, I feel that it will, would have also beaten Michigan State. And uh, Michigan State's loss, Iowa's loss to Michigan State could, could be called collateral damage. There, in, in college football and pro football, there's what they call passing efficiency. And I think Stanley has 15 TV passes to only two interceptions. And I bet if you were to check his national ranking and his Big Ten ranking, it would be a Pretty high at the top. Yeah, when you look at his overall stats, uh, Gary, and and Derek touched on this earlier, the most impressive thing is the fact that he has not turned the ball over in excess. Now, they show his his stats for the year with 12 touchdowns and one interception. I don't don't think that's right, Gary, what I just pulled up here. 
Um, I think they're missing some things there because he had an interception against Wyoming. Uh, he had another one today. I think he had an interception today. Am I making that up? Yeah, he had an interception. He had one pick. He had three touchdowns and a pick today. So we'd have to do the the math on that. Figure out where they're wrong. Maybe it's maybe it's eighteen touchdowns and. Uh, this could be this, Sean. Let's see if that's... Yeah, see what that was. We keep the audio up so I can play the plays for everybody, and then when you click on a stat sheet and it plays a commercial, <laughs> that's what yep. happens on live radio. Gary, thanks for, the, thanks for the phone call, and I agree with you. I think Nate Stanley has been uh, uh, been a very good quarterback for this Hawkeye team because he doesn't put it in the ditch, Derek. He doesn't. And I and honestly, if you're listening to the first hour and a half, two hours of this of our calls that are show tonight, I'm I'm hard on him. You know, and I'm just looking for perfection. I get the twelve and 0 seasons, man, and I want absolute perfection. And I I joke here that it's probably the Phil Parker in me, the way I was coached. Yeah. Um it's, so I feel like I, I, I do see the blunders and like, hey, we need to improve upon this. But I think really uh for a sophomore quarterback, right? Yes. Sophomore, I mean yeah. he's he's doing a fantastic True job. True sophomore. And the and I told my brother a couple weeks ago, I'm like, you know what? I'm like we may not be Big Ten champions this year, and I've never ever said this in my life, like about the Iowa Hawkeye program. But I'm like, in a year or two, we're going to be really good, skill, and I think it's going to be you. built upon him and his shoulders. Yep. And I think he's got a ton of potential. You look at Amir Smith Marset. You look at Ivory Kelly Martin, Noah Fant, T.J. Hawkinson. You've got a good group of talented talent position guys. You do who are freshmen and yep. sophomores, and other players will come in and develop. Yeah. But it's just feel like for 20 years, you not always hear in a year or two or in mm-hmm. two or three years. And every time my friends or family or somebody said to me, I just throw it out the window. I'm like, I'm tired of hearing that. Mm-hmm. And this is the first year that I'm you're saying, saying it. it. I'm saying, by like, the way, good. another feather in the cap of how good they're going to be in two years. Tristan Wurst gets his first start at right tackle today. Alaric Jackson, a redshirt freshman at left tackle. So you've got two tackles now that theoretically could be your starters for the next three and a half years. Uh, I, I'm excited to see what the Ferentz boys, Ferentz men, can do with. And those year guys over year, that's a pretty, that's a strength of the program. Yeah. So uh, you see that kind of staying at that level. I think two eight four ten forty is the phone number if you'd like to join us on Jethro's Barbecue Sound Off. Ian is going to jo- help us wrap up the. Your turn, Hawkeye fans. This is the Jethro's Barbecue Sound Off, sponsored by HawkeyeNation.com. He faked the counter handoff, rolling back to his right is George. Now he tried to throw it to Bonner and it's picked off by Amani Hooker. And he's going the other way. Now check that. That's Brandon Snyder. He's down there. No, it is Hooker. Doesn't matter who it is. It's Snyder. It's a touchdown Iowa. No flags. No flags. I don't care who it is. He's wearing a black shirt. And he has a seven on it. I think that Gary just encapsulated the feelings of all Hawkeye fans. I don't care who it is. He's wearing a black shirt. He's going the other way. He's changing this game. Awesome game for Brandon Snyder. Just fun to see him uh, come out in that first quarter and be hot. Stats don't look amazing. Derek, I was kind of surprised when you pulled this up. He had three tackles today? Gee, Sean is just dropping the ball left and right. Is that a sign for me to leave now? Yeah, right. Exactly. (laughs) No, I think he had three tackles or two solos or something like that. Two pass breakups and and a pick. But here's the thing. Just looking at him, you can just tell he's a leader. You know, you watch Mm -hmm. him on TV and... The way he conducts himself, his mannerisms, man, he's... Uh, you even saw him in one of the games where he was hurt, really being involved. I mean, I don't call it sideline antics, but kind of that hype that happens after plays, even with the torn ACL and in street clothes, you saw the dude Yeah, I think it was. We, I think it might have been the first game or the second game, but uh, there was an interception and the guy came running to the sideline and they do the... Uh, I, what do you call it? Where they the run up and they hip touch check? hips? I'm not sure, yeah, they yeah. jump up there and touch butts. And they did, they did it with a sideline guy, and I go... 
that's Schneider that just did it. So I'm like, he'll be back soon. If he's doing that, he'll be back soon. Jim, thanks for calling us here on Jethro's Barbecue Sound Off. How are you, sir? Uh-oh. Jim's caught in the time warp also. This is always kind of fun. We get to hear ourselves talk back. No, this is this is Jim. Oh, there's Jim. Hey, Jim, how are you, sir? I'm doing just fine. What would you want to share with go us Hawks. today? Yeah, go Hawks. Is that all? Just a big go Hawks no, for you, Jim? I was wondering. I have a question. Uh, it seems to happen quite frequent uh, that the Hawks get going in the second half. And why can't they put it the second half into the first half? I know they're capable. I warned you. I warned you. I said the slow start is going to be a recurring topic today. Isn't it frustrating though, too? Yeah, it is. I mean, the first and, half. and that's why Jim is the why Jim. I think you're the third or fourth caller to mention this. And I I said this a couple times. If we could do a sound off at halftime and a sound off after the game, they'd it'd be two totally different shows today. And I guarantee you. The, th- the theme of that halftime sound off would have been, we came out flat again. Phone lines would have been blowing up yeah, at halftime right. with people calling into gripe and moan. Just to walk through it again, Derek, because you're the guy with the perspective here. Uh, a team starting slow really breaks down more to individuals just maybe not having the lights on right away. And the thing is, too, we're not, it's not like we're a big play team. Right, we yeah. run the ball a lot. We run it into the boundary a lot. We try to get four on three or four on four between linemen and a, and a tight end and run it into the boundary. We're not a big play team, so it's not going to be fireworks mm-hmm. when when it when it when we start the ball game with the Iowa Hawkeyes. Jim, I, I hope that answers the question a little bit. That uh, it, well, I appreciate we, it. Yeah, we appreciate the frustration, Jim. Go Hawks! Go Hawks! 45-16, big win for the Hawkeyes today on homecoming. But the first half wasn't exactly what a lot of us were planning on. It's really been a positive theme uh, to sound off and really kind of a positive feel to the show. We'll see where Ian takes us. Ian, thanks for calling Jethro's Barbecue Sound Off on WHO. Hey, guys. Uh, I probably watched way too much football, and I was hoping I could get Derek's take on something. Jets legend all. Today when I was watching the Hawkeyes offense, there was a couple times when I swear I was watching the – and I might have been the Iowa Patriots, the New England Hawkeyes. <laughs> And there were some concepts I saw, and a couple of the times it directly led to touchdowns. Um, the first one was something you'll see absolutely Patriots run all the time, is when the, the rub play at the start, or at the end of the half, where um, we caught the touchdown out of the backfield. That James White might have scored on in that exact play in the Super Bowl. And it was in pick, non-pick. And then the other time... Yeah, you're talking about... Now, when, now, Ian, real quick, when you say pick, non-pick, I think uh, Amir Smith-Marset was the outside receiver, and you're talking about how he kind of cut across, made yep, contact. Absolutely. Yes, yeah. Now, James I White did see... that I, pass eight times a game. Ian, I did see... That's a great point, that that's a, that, that has that feel of that New England Patriots offense. Yep. Ian, I will say, I, I saw somebody tweet out that as long as the ball is caught behind the line of scrimmage, essentially the pick play is legal. Yeah, it's a great concept. Yeah. It's almost unstoppable. I mean, the linebacker is not going to be able to get over there, especially with a guy like Wadley. It's impossible for him to cover him out back to the last play. You're yeah. talking about where you're throwing it to Easley? Is that the place you're talking uh, about? W- yes, it was a touchdown to Easley, I think, that they where they swung it out to him out there. And the other, and the guys, and the other one was uh, when we acted like we were going to do a zone. You know, we had the strong side to the right, and we were going to run the zone to the right side, and he faked it, and he came back and threw the slant to Vandenberg for the long touchdown. Yeah. And that's Tom Brady 101 right there. And a lot of that's set up with the, with us grinding it out, running the right. ball. You know, that's how you set. We talked about that a little bit ago. And he makes a great point. That's just that's how you yeah, that's how you set them plays up. Yeah, and that's a good call, man. Thank you very much, buddy. Yep.
Talk to you soon. We need to get him scouting some some Iowa Listen, fit game I, film. I'm going to find out when and where to to break that idea out that you just had. I think it's brilliant. We'll do it here in a little minute, we, a few minutes. we got a bunch of calls to get through right now. Robert, we're going to get you up right now. Thanks for calling Jethro's Barbecue Sound Off. How are you, sir? Yeah, fine. Thank you. Yeah, I've been going to the uh, Iowa games uh, since uh, 1953. It was the first game I saw. And, uh, You're old enough to remember Derek Pagel, Robert. Oh, yeah, I remember particularly the Hayden Fridays, Chuck Long, and um, uh, the uh, two Rose Bowls we went to. And uh, so I, I just wanted to say I, I, I love the Iowa Hawkeyes, but I, I did watch the Cyclones' uh, uh, highlights on the TV. They have one heck of a quarterback, that second-string quarterback. He was right on the money. It was a... They, they didn't. They won the statistical battles also, but uh, yeah, go Hawkeyes. And uh, but I'm afraid, though, really, in re- looking at it realistically, we've lost two games in the Big Ten, and I don't think we can beat Ohio State and Wisconsin. So I think those four losses. I think we got to be happy for that, but not. Uh, you know, it's going to be a year or two away. I think where we can contend at the top of the Big Ten. I think but. that's I think that's fair, Robert. I think that's a that's a fair place to have your expectations right now. That nobody no Hawkeye fan should have watched Michigan State and watched the first half of Illinois and said, "Yep, this is a team that can win the Big 10 and go play in the college football playoff." It just you have to be realistic about things. And I think you're in a pretty good spot there, Robert, that um, Ohio State's a really good team. Wisconsin's a really good team. This this back half of this Hawkeye schedule, Hawk fans, is tough. You've got Northwestern, who looked really good at times today against Penn State, and they've looked really good and really bad at times this year. Minnesota could fall into that same description. They haven't looked really good yet, but I think they have the potential in a couple weeks to maybe find that light. we got, of course, have Ohio State. Purdue has shown some flashes. This second half this Hawkeye season is, uh, is going to be a tough run. Paul is up next here on Jethro's Barbecue Sound Off on WHO. How you doing, Paul? Uh, pretty good, pretty good. Yeah, I just wanted to make a, a couple observations. I think it was the first few possessions of the third quarter. Uh, the Hawks were going in the win, but still still were throwing the ball quite a bit. I think the I think Dolphin mentioned they were they had thrown like 10 out of 11 plays, and it just seemed though that to, it seemed like it backed Illinois up a little bit and opened up some uh, running lanes later that sort of really led into that fourth quarter explosion. And I guess I also want to know it seemed like um, Wadley was open on a lot of on a lot of crossing patterns and out in the flat a lot. And it seems like Stanley needs to keep an eye on him and get him the ball a little more. Yeah, I think that's a fair criticism of Nate Stanley also, Paul, and we've seen that from a few people. Missing some of those open targets. We'll get into the game plan and how that worked out next.